Good to see y'all, everybody. Zach, Life, Toby, Devin. Toby, we don't have any pre-rolls. So, Devin, do we have a pre-roll ad for Emory, Moment House, the question? Pre-roll ad? Yeah, what do we have to advertise? we got a little something to advertise. We got... Yes, we do. An album, digital Mm. experience, Mm. uh, called The Question, coming up on August... 12th. Yes, yes, it is. And maybe you've never heard of our album, The Question, or maybe you've been living under a rock. Devin, for the past they've heard of yeah. years. Yeah, if you're living under a rock, yeah. you haven't heard the question. Maybe. Otherwise, you've heard the question. It's one of the biggest albums ever written and recorded. No demand. And it's coming out August 12th. It's going to be unbelievable. Just, just encapsulates who we are as a band. Yeah. Just an unreal digital experience that we were able to capture just just vibrancy. The <laughs> the vibrancy yeah. of our band Emory. And and I'll tell you what, the two guys on our podcast tonight have a tremendous amount to do with that. And that's Zach yes, they do. and Life. Those guys are incredible. Production, uh creative, just direction. And here's yep. the truth. And I, you know we're giving this little ad here. If you if you go to Lay it down, if Devin. you go to Moment House M O M E N T H O U S E House dot com forward slash Emory, you can check out the tickets and merch bundles and all that good stuff. So make sure and go do that. August twelfth and thirteenth, they'll be we'll be showing up for a couple days there. But what I was saying, Zach and Life, mm-hmm. what is so cool about that is in our past we have made the mistake as a band, to kind of always be in charge. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> we called it DIY. We called I mean, it, it's kinda, yeah. Something was right about that. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, we we had the right intentions, and I think a lot of time it was maybe even the best thing for the situation. But as we've gotten older and maybe understand um, the environments a little better, we realize that that is not the best decision for us, especially in a very important production. Right. <laughs> so having life be the director, super calm energy, super confident, knows what he wants and knows what he needs in for whatever you know uh, capture or scene or whatever. And then Zach behind the camera and behind the direction of the whole yeah. crew, it's just an incredible feeling. I'll be honest with you, it makes me feel extremely confident that it's going to be great, and I'm not really worried about anything other than what I just have to play and sing. And that's pretty different, isn't it? I mean, that's different for us. Yeah, it is quite different. It is. It's a whole new kind of frontier or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. It's Moment House, uh, August 12th, momenthouse.com forward slash Emory. Moment House is a great uh, company. 
that seems like they're doing some really good stuff. So I think the user experience and everything's going to be really good on this, and we're happy to be able to do a digital thing uh, going forward. So that's the ad yep. for this for today's show. I came that. up with a jingle for it if you wanted me to try it. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go. We got to finish this quickly though because we need to move on to the the next you might not 90 want to minutes. Hear this. We're gonna <laughs> the next ninety minutes is also E N T. H O U S E Moment House, house. Just, Moment House <laughs> See slash Emory So now you know All right now moving on to the 90 minute version of the advertisement for the question Here we go <laughs> That was just the formal one I I had a thought today, so we'll get into this, but I, can I at least talk a little <laughs> yeah, bit about uh, music in general, and that'll get us to the question. I was thinking about this this thing, and I was like, man, this is maybe, I know everybody has different opinions and stuff, but arguably, at least our, our biggest selling, potentially most influential record or whatever, or, you, know, you know, I know for us, I mean, in our career, um, but I was thinking about we were in small town Greer, South Carolina, and I was thinking about art and music, and like, it, it, I was thinking. First of all, it makes me sad that like a great artist, that he the town wants him to stay, but they can't. They can't. Like we had to leave Greer. You know what I mean? Like the the town would want our our art, it, it, but only in a way they could handle and they can't handle our art so you had to leave like and i'm just talking about I'm, it sounds like i'm just talking about emory <laughs> am i here on a limb y'all are no, like, no, no, you're good. Right. You're good. <laughs> hear me out here so you were a rebel about, in your hometown you yeah, were, they, but, but it's they not, weren't appreciated <laughs> but they would have wanted to keep you but. no well but it's more like you can't i mean you're like a young Axl Rose and growing up in Indiana. And it no, was they would like... want you to stay. But it's not that you moved to well, – like, we moved to Seattle. It's not just because, oh, we got to live in Seattle. Seattle's so cool and all this stuff. Seattle's a place that could allow our art to exist, whereas Greer, South Carolina wasn't going to. Or Rock Hill, South Carolina. We tried, and our uh-huh. art couldn't exist there. So it, even if it, it could have handled it if we were more like Hootie and the Blowfish. Mm-hmm. You know, it it can handle art, but it has to be in a certain way, and it couldn't handle ours. And I was just thinking, man. So more than we moved to Seattle, we had to, like, you actually had to because Greer, South Carolina, Rock Hill, South Carolina, wouldn't. It just couldn't. It we couldn't have existed there. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been. It would have taken something. It would have taken uh, a little shift in our <clears throat> musical direction or. Uh, I don't know, finding had a, like yeah, a we, niche or something somewhere. It would have taken we, more. Because, I mean, there was some bands, what, like out of Charleston maybe? Like, wasn't Stretch Armstrong from down there? Yeah. Somewhere? Yeah. You know, I mean, Stretch Armstrong was from South Carolina for, right. before, for us. They were, But they had a hardcore kind of stress, tough guy thing going. So yeah. there really was, right. I mean, it requires an extra special energy of a niche community to make a scene like like actually exist. Like it takes yeah. a, a very serious concentration of of talent and people doing things for like the right intrinsic reasons for any art form to have a place. Like it yeah. requires a lot of resources that are specialized to allow an art 
a new art form or genre to flourish. Like it's not. I mean, it is rare conditions. You know what I mean? Because right. you can't even make screamo break now. You can't even get new people into it now. It was a one. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was a one-time thing in a, a, a certain place where enough people can care about something, and then it can get big enough to where it spills over into you know, where everybody winds up hearing about it. You know what I mean? So it is a real special little wave. So it's not surprising you can't get it in all the small towns, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that was my next thought, though, was like, I wonder if that's ending now and you can exist more in small towns in your art because, like COVID, everybody realized how get get more digital almost. We almost all got more digital and don't even want to go back in person to work. Uh, that seems outdated now going to the office and all that stuff. So I'm wondering if COVID has changed it to where now art will exist. You'll see it more and more in small places. But and, but it'll be online. But the problem is still the density. So you, it's hard to create density online because like you like consuming entertainment that the other people you know consume. That's why I like listening to Rogan or talking about a Netflix show. You're always like, do you see this show? Do you see this show? You're looking for the people that have seen the same media as you or seen the same concerts, like same kind of music. So it's harder and harder to, like, it's harder and harder to find people to care with or talk about. So like, if you found some band but nobody else you know likes them, this might not be good enough even if they're good. Like That yeah. might not really be enough for you. Like you, All the bands you wound up liking – all your friends like too, and you talked about them, and it would come up, and you would go to the show. You know, you were having all these interactions. So, what remains to be done online is creating communities that aren't echo chambers. Right. You yeah. know, that's that's expanding now, though. Like, I noticed that. It's funny. I was in, uh, like, you know, middle of nowhere, West Virginia, back in the winter, and I noticed that same thing with these people with you know bumper stickers on the cars of stuff that like I've been listening to or whatever it might be. I think access to that has grown. Yeah. yeah. Well, people have access to way more stuff, but it's harder to share it. Like, who do you share it with? Like, think of all the stuff that we're into. Like, if we get together, all the five of us start talking about stuff we're into, and a lot of us don't even know what the other people are into. Like, it's different different stuff. So that's hard. I mean, it's a, more uphill um, to get to get there kind of thing. So do you, it's going to take new technologies and platforms and stuff that bring more people together somehow. It feels like... The so me and Toby were kind of talking about this a little bit today. We were looking at Spotify and just bands, uh, how many plays they get, just things like that. And some of it's you know, it's a little surprising sometimes, and sometimes it's a little deceiving, you know, because people get like a ton of Spotify plays and you don't even really know who they are, or you know, or at least me. But, um, it's it's weird because nowadays it feels like bands can be extremely popular but there's no substance to their band right so there's no like it feels like there's nothing there's no depth does that make sense so like there can be some there can be like a big hit or like this band that plays on all these tiktok videos or whatever maybe they get tons and tons of listens but there's nothing for the fan to connect to Right, you know, what it's I'm not saying? that they're shallow. It's just that there's no media. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no richness to the experience of how right. the way the music. It's like the music's just used. Yes, it's just a, yeah. it's just a, almost like an ad. It feels more like an ad. 
it's a commercial like usage when i see it on tiktok on all these videos it just feels like oh that's just a theme or an ad it's a background filler right i mean right. really yeah, yeah so compared to and again i'm not saying we're anything special but earlier bands and earlier music from long time ago till early emo kind of stuff there was something to actually connect to because there was no there was no shallow connection it was only a deep connection no. from a show or from a tour or from buying the cd and the, you know what i mean there was all these the connections yeah. were deeper but we came out of a different thing where we were trying to you know we came out of a thing where it was rejection of a mainstream thing like all the way yeah. back to grunge it was like well what everybody does that's the flashiest most commercial is thin and superficial so then you get a grunge thing and then then after that it's like b-sides and finding a tape and like all the other stuff you could find out that was context for who is this band and what how deep can you go mm-hmm. but i mean there's people into depth since the 90 i mean obviously before the 90s but since i've been participating in pop culture you can find smaller amounts of people who are interested in depth basically and then you're looking for that depth through whatever way you can find it and that's still pre-internet people were doing it mm-hmm. and then you get we get into the kind of music where it's like it it gets even more powerful when it's relatable and it's indie bands and then you see them and you can get the depth and you can see them in concert and you can get close to the stage and you say wait maybe i could do it too so now right like that's when it starts to all then everybody starts getting inspired and trying to do it but if you just hear good sounding music that comes from somewhere as a product that's not really inspiring for, for you to do take any action right? but it is interesting though like when you think about it in the context of tiktok we are moving into a there is not the creator it is the creation yeah that's right. good though that's you know a positive I mean? like, step isn't that wild though like i'm just saying that means that the, the creation is the only thing that will be and and you the creator of it will will reap some reward from that but not really fame you know what i mean like it'll be more about you know i mean you won't really get that famous or anything like that but that's the most true of the shallowest um things and i don't mean shallow in a negative way but like memes if somebody puts the right two words over an image in the news it's a brilliant fucking the highest creative elements we have that we all that's the most and it's always uncredited Right, and I yeah. think that's beautiful. Like I think that's profound, really. So you have to, if you apply that downwardly, who are these musicians that are trying to right. own everything and get everything? Like right. maybe it doesn't. Maybe if your thing goes and people receive it, that's should be. An, I mean, isn't that kind of better in a way? Oh yeah, that's what like, I'm saying. Uh, it is industry. Wild, though. Well, yeah, that's better. Yeah. The times changed. There are Did you wish there those. was a meme industry? I mean, it would that would ruin it, right? Well, there are a lot of those, if you think back, like One Hit Wonders, mm-hmm. that you think like there's a song that transcends way beyond the band. Yeah. And you don't even know who the band is. It's like, oh, what's the name of that band that did that song? But it's a massive song. Come on, Eileen. Or what, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what, whatever the song is. And you're just like, I have, I, me, I have no idea who, <laughs> who did that song. But the song is massive. You know, so it's a similar yeah. thing. And I was even thinking, this is kind of funny, but back to like, um, uh, church hymns and yep. you know what i mean like it's it's about amazing grace not the guy the guy who wrote right. it or whatever so the it's, tune is more yeah yeah it's just more than that so but yeah i mean i, I guess that's kind of where we're at now a little bit but 
we got in a crazy this is a crazy time in music history where the music is super wrapped up in the personality and the vulnerability of the person expressing it because yeah. i mean we processed all the regular good orders of notes for the last couple hundred years so all that's left to do now is like have a somebody pour their fucking heart out and give you their whole insides and then you you know what i mean like that didn't all that wasn't always what all good music was that's but now it's the person and their insides and their story and so it's even easier to attribute it to the creator in that form mm-hmm. but really if somebody writes a great song is if it really goes what really goes well that you forget about the creator ultimately right yeah Guess i mean that's right. that's Let what me you give you a want. real life example I'm going to go back to something Devin said just a minute ago. You said the song, Come On Eileen. <laughs> I'd say probably, I don't know, four or five years ago, I was on the internet, and it was around Halloween, and uh, it was like, what funny costumes you could be. And one young lady was uh, just wearing normal clothes. She had the sticker, Eileen, and then she had what appeared to be cum on her face. <laughs> and now, every time, I love that song. I love that song. Every single time I hear it or someone mentions it, just like four minutes ago when Devin said, come on, Eileen, I immediately see that picture of that woman <laughs> with the sticker and the jizz on her face. <laughs> Oh, man. Every single time now. It, so that changed my life forever. Someone <laughs> created that outfit. <laughs> Someone took a picture of it. They have no credit, but I want them to know I that cannot <laughs> not think of that when I hear that song. And now that's a powerful creation by the meme, yeah. per, the meme person. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's just a picture with a couple of words, a song title on it, and it affected you. Changed my life forever. <laughs> I have no, I can give zero credit. <laughs> I have to go th- anonymous, un- unknown, dash unknown. Uh, yeah. That's who I'm thinking now. Isn't that yeah. crazy though? Yeah. So yeah, I is. don't guess our band, we don't have any songs that supersede our uh, our persona, do we? Walls is the closest probably. To but. some people we do though. I mean, so the question is our biggest album. Yeah. Uh, it's sold, uh, you know, by the numbers, it sold nearing 200,000 physical copies. Mm-hmm. And that's in a time when most m- copies of music were uh, co- self-copied and duplicated and then MP3 shared. So that represents just a fraction of its people that f- said they own it or had it physically and played it. You know, So there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that physically owned and held yeah a copy of the question and then the digital after that on Napster and everything else. So Brandon Abel told me that if it wouldn't have been for MP3 illegal downloading, we would have sold 757 million copies of the question. (laughs) That's from Brandon Abel, CEO of Tooth and Nail Records. No, but if you think if if a couple hundred thousand people bought it and then multiple of each one of those copied it and then there was online. I know. I mean, you, you know, and then how many people listen to it that million. never had it, but they listen to it with their friends? I mean, just millions of people, and a lot of them just think about millions of people have never a possible ability to know the name Toby Morrell that likes studying politics. If it came on, they would go, right. "What the fuck is this song?" Right. I fucking love this song. Where have I heard? I, and it was that they used to, their friend used to play it on a burnt CD in a car. Uh, 
12 years ago and eight times to them. And then if they hear it now, they go, what is this? It gives me a positive feeling. They do not know no. They do not know who Devin is. No, they do not know this podcast exists. Yeah, that's true. It's just out there. So that's its. You know, that's its reach. So a song like "Studying Politics." Do you remember when we play shows and there would just be like drunk late twenties yeah. girls at the ba- at the back of the bar singing that song? No, no, that I didn't never looked like Emory that. fans at all. Like at a radio show or something. <laughs> Like it was, yeah. it was rare. I was, but the, you know I, I, mean? I was in the back praying with Stephen Christian for <laughs> over fans. Just <laughs> <laughs> so under Allie Matson there looking at drunk ladies. I'm in the back <laughs> praying for this guy's sinuses. <laughs> he was healed. Stephen too. Christian from Anne Berlin. Healing people. And one time Brandon Abel was there. <laughs> 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 Can you gossip about somebody in a prayer group? They get in trouble. Yeah, that's not funny. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't know Zach was such a big fan of Emory. He, yeah. Did y'all know that? He actually has a an Emory tattoo. He does? It says, yeah. He doesn't have a tattoo. On your butt? <laughs> yeah, on his butt. Oh. <laughs> on, on his butt, right above his butthole, it says the butcher's mouth. <laughs> well, I, I'm curious for Zach and Life, how did you uh, find Emory? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you've told me a little bit. I know you came to the show with social and stuff like that, Life. But what is... Zach and Life's interface with Emory. How old were you, and how did you hear? You know, find out, find us out in the first place. Because I think it's really amazing in the end that we're making media today with people that are professional in their fields at such a high level that were fans all along. It's what really, it's it's really something I think that makes us incredibly special. So I am kind of curious about the details of 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 your origins of of knowing about us. Well, I don't think you guys want to hear my answer because I was in like fifth grade or something like that. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I grew up a tooth and nail kid. Whatever wave is the the wave that um, in middle school, you know, this this scene was coming up. So um, it was pretty awesome for me. Most of it was through music videos, though. So uh, I watched Walls and you know. On radio, politics. you like, or something? I mean, yeah, on yeah. We actually we had TVU, but even before that, I don't. I haven't heard, talked to anyone else that that had this, but I'm sure there's people out there. Um, we had G Rock. You guys ever heard of G Rock? Is that like God God Rock? Rock? Yeah, God Rock. <laughs> nice. It was on. It was like a late night TBN thing. It was on like Saturday nights only, and we would watch that, and then we would tape it. And, when you're uh, in fifth grade. Yeah, like yeah, like early on. So that, but that was like Staves Acre and like some early POD. So, anyways, mm-hmm. we, we that was that was kind of our entry into that being on on the peninsula. So I'm like two and a half hours outside of Seattle. And funny enough, we were just t- you were talking about small towns. I didn't realize that uh, ninety pound wuss got their start here, and they really wouldn't have if they didn't move over to Seattle. Kind of what you're talking about before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so funny That's that they cool. never really had their moment here. It seems like, um, but anyways, yeah. So so TVU later on watched all the music videos, um, and it's it's so fun now. I mean, I I ripped your guys's your guys's stuff for like the Friday news. I, I did like the Friday news at our high school. Oh, that's and cool. Used Emery and like tons <laughs> of other tooth and nail and, and like cool. bands. Um, subjected the whole school to you guys. So that was <laughs> that was fun. 
Yeah, and some yeah. background too for everybody listening. Zach has a, a good history of. Then you went and worked for Invisible Creatures, Ryan and Don Clark. What years yeah, was that? I, yeah, so when I went to Seattle uh, for college, I remember thinking, I want to check out Tooth and Nail, but I had a CD. I wish I remember what CD it was, but I saw the address on it and I was like, that can't be where they actually are. And so I like pulled up map. I pulled up like MapQuest or whatever at the time, and like just drove there. And I just like parked outside, and I just walked in. And sure enough, it was where Tooth and Nail was, which is like the worst thing ever. Would not recommend that. But uh, it's fun. Fast forward a couple of years, I was uh, yeah got connected with the the Clark brothers. Worked at Invisible Creature and interned in the art department with with Ryan at Tooth and Nail for um, a little over a year. So that's yeah. That's cool. Spent a few years with, with those guys. Learned a ton from them. Awesome, Were you after, awesome time in my life. Did you you never work with Greg Lutzi? No, I I met him briefly, but uh, and yeah, we didn't we didn't really cross paths. But. Yeah, it's so crazy. Greg was a good friend of ours. He took yeah. uh, the pictures, uh, like the logger <laughs> pictures, like and us in the water. Jacks. Yeah, uh, in the water. He took a couple of those, and then he went on to. I, I I didn't hear from. Him. We started touring and you know just lost touch. And then he, what did he start? Visco uh, or whatever. Visco apps. Yeah, that's insane. He lived with Couldn't us for a little to while. A nicer guy. Yeah, he was our yeah, roommate. Basement. Oh, that's he right. Was yeah, roommate. It was when we had eight eight people in a family's basement. That's right. Um, we had one bedroom in a basement. Uh, There's a family that lived upstairs and they had a daughter and a son. And the son was in a band. Um, but he was much younger. He was like 16 or 17. And, uh, and we lived in their basement. Um, all of us, plus Josh's brother, Eli, and Greg Lutzi when he was working yeah, at, right. at, at Asterix then at Tooth and Nail with Ryan and Don and at the intern then. And then he went on and started that company, and we you know did, did our things from, from there. But it's kind of small. Yes, <laughs> small. He did our connected. first photo shoot and our first T-shirt. Greg made it, you know. Yeah, because he was working for Invisible Creature. Too, yeah. Right? yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, with tooth he, and nail. Yeah, yeah. He was with them, and then I I got in with them, not long. Well, I guess like maybe a year or two, a couple of years after they split. So, Invisible Creature kind of came out of Asterix, and and um, he and he and another guy, Dimitri, went and did their own thing for a while, and then and then Greg started Visco. Yeah, cool. and then Zach was at uh, Belief Agency, which is where Dave Powell works, and a bunch of other talented people that are post Mars Hill related mm-hmm. creative team type situation. And then Zach also uh, worked on the King's Kaleidoscope specials, the first two that they did on that. And that was right before uh, we hired him to work on this. I think that's the first thing we had, had done. That's the first thing we had done. I just knew you from Belief Agency, which is where our old practice space was there. Um, and Dave was working. So, um, yeah. 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 We just crossed paths a few times, but. Uh yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, even maybe jumping ahead a little bit, we can reel it back. But it's fun doing these now at this point because you you all being around as long as you have, like even what you were saying about the question and where when it came out, and then I've always wondered about this with I'm only a man. Um, you have released albums in these pivotal times of like the like drastic music industry change. And what's neat is now we're we're in that right now too with these specials, which is fun. Yeah. It's fun, and That's you know true. they're getting new life in that cycle. But I mean, the difference between it's probably harder to to really quantify the difference between um, your first and second album just because of the nature of first and second albums. But I mean, you you guys talked about I'm only a man being the first time you were re- you read comments right online. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's that's wild, right? I mean, that's just that's just part of it now, right? I mean, except <laughs> yeah. you probably don't read them now, but I'd probably analyze those eras as um it was a periods of rapid change because in 99 yeah. there was maybe indie bands, but none of them were successful in a commercial way they just were able to exist and then the next thing that happened after that is it actually went to a mainstream level which really happened at oh three to oh six like during that time something really happened where there was tons of market share and commercial success for bands that would have you know were small or diy or indie labeled whatever like it could be real and still get on you, you know bands get on Ozfest and stuff that were just bands like us and stuff and so then but but then so that was a big boom and then right around like just two years after that was a financial collapse and the music industry collapses like right <laughs> after that you know so it was the first time the average joe can like make something happen and then immediately crashes <laughs> and the internet comes and the comments go on and social media comes out it all happens in from 03 to you know 07 08 and then Every, it all kind of falls apart for most people. It's so crazy because, I mean, basically that was about 14 years ago, but it feels like an eternity ago. Like it feels like you can't hardly remember a time where you know. couldn't interact. You know what I mean? Like with the internet or with other people in that way. It's It almost feels like just a totally different time period. It, like it, you well, think about Zach yeah. is so young and he's saying he was just taping it off of TVU. So if you go back right. in time and look at it now, I go, wait a minute. We got really lucky to be on Tooth and Nail because there's like that extra youth group push where you get the Christian bookstores, mm-hmm. you get the radio U, you get the TVU, you get all the youth pastors and all their younger siblings. Like you get that extra and it, it wasn't that much at the time. It was about ten or fifteen percent of sales, like ten percent extra in sales. But that multiplies, you know, because the like those people that <clears throat> got that were big time fans because that's all they could get. So yeah. that 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 contention of people that turned out to be like Zach, living sheltered, Chris, sheltered, yeah, sheltered Christian kids who, <laughs> Christian, yeah, yeah. yeah, that so was there, like my yeah. alternative, right? Yeah. So if not for the TV, and we were like, should we be on Tooth and Nail? Should we be on a regular label? Or I wish they didn't even sell our stuff in Christian bookstores. Or, you know, you go TVU, who cares? Or whatever. Like, they play the videos on God Rock. Oh, okay, cool. I get an ASCAP check from God Rock for 28 cents. But, you know, but or whatever. But it, it did turn out to matter. <laughs> like, right. or else, you know, like we're here and other bands aren't. So, and we, you know, barely. Maybe that's a way to look at that. Life, was that the same for you? Were you like the church, Christian bookstore growing up trying to find cool music kid? Oh, heck yeah. Except my sister found it all for me. She's about four years ahead of me. So I grew up in you know the space coast of Florida, satellite beach, small beach town near Melbourne. So there was a few things kind of going on there. And um, she was a few years ahead of me, and she was in the youth group ahead of me. And they all, you know, everybody that we knew had were in like a small punk band and they were all into Goaty Hook and MXPX and, you know, that sort of era of the tooth and nail bands. And, uh, there was this, um, I had some of the like music video stuff like Zach was talking about, but for me, it was actually this uh, radio station out of Orlando that would do a a Saturday night thing uh, called Solomon's porch. And so they would play all of, you know, the um, 
I guess the generation maybe just before you guys were really coming in, right? So this is when I was in middle school and it was those ones in the late nineties, you know, everybody in that age. Um, and my sister also DJed and did some stuff at this thing called wild theory. And that was my introduction to all of it. It was like five and frenzy to begin with. And then from there, it was going into all the tooth and nail stuff. And, you know, uh, it was, it was fun. It was engaging. I didn't feel, ever feel like I was desperately searching for something different. It just sort of fell at my feet, but it was fun in that way. So I wound up getting into like, you know, going to Cornerstone. Cornerstone, Florida was right there. It was super easy to get to. Going to Warp Tour, I'd see, you know, all the mixed CDs. I'd go around every tent, grabbing every mixed CD I could get my hands on and just finding everything I could, basically. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Okay, let's take a little musical break. Just, to, just to think of it as an interlude and that some music would just wash into your ears, right into your head. It's going to infect you and then you'll be um, addicted to it. But that's just how advertising works. You're listening to In the Night, the first single from Phineas' new record, The Fire Itself. Phineas is a great band. They put out a record uh, in 2017 called Dark Flag. That was excellent. Um, and this is their first full length since then. Uh, the Fire Itself is the name of the album. It comes out on August 27th, and the pre-orders are available everywhere right now. You can follow them on Spotify and not miss any of the new songs as they roll out. They're going to roll them out one at a time. But in the meantime, right now, you're listening to In the Night by Phineas on Solid State. Check them out. It's funny, my upbringing was different. I mean, I grew up very, you know, backwoods, evangelical, uh, charismaniac kind of church. My papa was the pastor, but I, I mean, I, we didn't really listen to, we didn't even really listen to Christian radio because they didn't really trust it that much. You know what I mean? The, the, you know, there, there's a, so it's funny, like, I mean, if I was, I mean, even knowing about Tooth and Nail, I only, it would be like you said, your sister. Um, ours would be Joyce Fenson and probably more Jared, his brother, who yeah. got us all into this music, right? Because yeah. Jer- Jared was, was really, was finding music and was out there. And, I mean, he was having to actually physically mail money to a label like Tooth and Nail. They would package it there and then send it back to him. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, it's nothing like it is now. Yeah, no so we got stuff. it when we were 20, you know, 19 and 20 from a friend's older brother that was from a bigger city. Right. Like that that was the first time we encountered anything was in, yeah. from as an yeah. older youth. I mean, I thought I didn't know there was music that wasn't on the radio that existed. Yeah. I, I, that sounds outrageous. <laughs> I thought, you know, there's some local bands that have their CD, but you know, I didn't know there was like successful bands that weren't played on the radio. I mean, the right. craziest stuff I'd ever heard was, you know, uh uh just the radio bands, I mean, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, stuff like that. that. Was just the wildest thing I'd ever known. I didn't know you could get crazier than that. Metallica, though. Metallica, yeah, like, if you, like the like. There's the heaviest band possible is Metallica. Because have you seen the T-shirt? Right. Except for Megadeth, right? <laughs> and that's about that's that's what heavy. That's what I understood. <laughs> that's yeah. what I, understood. I heard some Kid Rock and some Corn by by the late '90s, and that was pretty intense. This is funny. Having the background I have, I used to just like having such little exposure to to the mainstream hard rock. Like I, I just pictured, oh, that stuff must be like the hardest ever, like the hardest ever. 
but meanwhile, you know, we'll, I don't know, we were listening to like the showdown and the agony scene and like oh, stuff yeah. where, you know, and then I'm like, wait, Led Zeppelin is. That's oh, Led you, Zeppelin? You know, you like, if you listen to Led Zeppelin, it would be way heavier than the agony scene. Yeah, yeah, totally. I always, always thought, like, oh, Metallica would just, like, make my ears bleed or something. You know, I didn't know. I, like, I had no idea, hadn't but. even heard them, but you just imagine yeah. what Metallica... That's what I'm saying. When I first saw a Metallica shirt, like some bully bad kid in my elementary school had yeah. a Metallica shirt. I didn't know what it sounded like. I just knew... It is killing babies all day, yes. constantly. Yeah. That's all I know <laughs> about it. So whatever that yeah. sounds like right. is what that music is. I remember in the '90s, and I couldn't listen to anything. I was kind of, I was like Toby in a sense of like I couldn't listen to, uh, you know, secular music really. But the only thing I could get away with is I, I bought a cassette tape. It was, a, it was the first, I bought a Boyz II Men cassette tape. I got away with that. That was great. And then I had a Mariah Carey single with a couple songs on it, and then it got you know a little bit outside of that. Started, and then I think my first rock album that I was able to buy for some reason—I guess I was a little older—and my parents were like, "Okay," was Silverchair Frog Stomp. And I remember I bought that CD, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is yeah. something else." I mean, this is something else. And then it kind of moved along, but like I said, we didn't listen to any emo or indie at all and i remember the first one that i heard that i thought you didn't was, like heavy sounds no, even until no, silver chair no. silver like chair was before silver I, chair if somebody said do you like nirvana you would say no probably not yeah you didn't like that yet. yeah and silver chair when you heard daniel john's voice you're like wait a minute and the music like i remember yeah. when that happened well but nirvana you, was the first one that i thought whoa this like it doesn't sound that great it sounds like it's not supposed to sound good yeah so I was like, wait, then I'm not sure I like it. It's like not supposed to sound good. So what? I'm, I was confused. And so, but then I was like, but it's heavy. You know, I like the drums and all that stuff. And then I remember getting a little later into it. And then uh, we heard, I remember when I heard Pinkerton. Yeah. And hey, I was Devin, like, now wait Devin, a second. You're probably leaving out when you first probably heard Rage after Silverchair, and that that was a That's big true. click for you. That, that was a big it? click because that, that was, was a, a little bit like, uh, yeah. you know, a little bit like hip hop ish. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was yeah. like a little bit of that R and B and tough as hell. Tough, yeah. yeah. I remember being just a chubby little you, know, and I, I heard. <laughs> Fuck you! I won't do what you tell me. My shoulders start. Fuck you! I won't. Start and I started feeling. I was like, I didn't even cuss. Yeah. I thought it was wrong. But like, God, I gotta suck. Fuck you! I won't do what you tell me. I didn't even know who I was talking to, but I, I felt it. It oh. did something to me where I was like, Oh, there's power. Yeah, so, that you know, was I don't, that you know. was big. And then, but I was trying to think of the first time I heard something besides Nirvana. I guess a little bit that sounded like good even though it was supposed to kind of sound a little bad was mm-hmm. pinkerton mm-hmm. Yeah. and it was a little bit it was like they don't they're not fully in tune in some parts and like they don't care and it's a little rough and loose i was like but this is really cool so that was probably my first exposure to something like that that kind of led into all those bands that joey and jared kind of led us to so but yeah, that was Pinkerton's late, late gateway, 90s. no doubt about it yeah i mean I the first time i heard this the beginning of the sweater song i was like what is oh he- yeah it's yeah. not playing right, right? Don't you have to be way back there on there, and they just talk, and I'm like, oh my god! And, yeah, and that. It, it made it feel like all of a sudden music was real or something. You know what I mean? Like it'd been so polished. Even Nirvana. I mean that you know, Kirk yep. even said that. But I mean, when I heard Teen Spirit, it was it felt slick to me. It didn't feel like 
grungy really right. as much. And that was my first experience with them. I just thought, oh, wow. In utero, though, gets it. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I'm just saying that first time I heard Nirvana, it was more, but then, but hearing Weezer, I was like, what in the world? It sounds well, like. In utero and, and, and Pinkerton are in a pretty small window of time. And that's the, I oh, mean, yeah. from those two albums, you just, it just, boom, anything's possible. I want, like yeah. if you take Pinkerton and In Utero and heavy, just say heavy. Anything is possible. That, that without music time's so wild because I feel like and I might be off on my timeline, but in my memory right now, I feel like I heard uh, Nirvana sounds like Tennessee Spirit straight into <laughs> Tears in Heaven. Yeah. Did you know? And I was just crying. Bonnie Raitt, yeah. just give them something to talk about. And I, I mean, then back to Pearl Jam. Jeremy's spoken glad. And I was like, is that about a kid killing himself? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really felt that way. Like, oh my God. And now, I don't know. Now everything's about booty. <laughs> I mean, it's all booty. There is no song that's not about booty. And it's good. I like yeah, it. It's catchy. <laughs> but you know. And so, Life, tell, tell us more about your path of in the music and how it relates for you getting into film and, and that kind of thing. I don't know the whole story. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, so music videos were like really like critical, really fun. I remember watching uh, some of my like favorite earliest ones were like some of the real early Switchfoot videos that I would see on these like same kind of stations that Zach's talking about, Christian, you know, music video collections where I had friends that would pass around VHSs at youth group and they'd have this kind of stuff, delirious Switchfoot. Uh, DC Talk, you know, all of those on them. And they were just so fun and so cool. My, my past, though, actually came separate from uh, music. It was, um, I used to love watching this Discovery show uh, called Movie Magic uh, back in the day. And they would show you behind the scenes. It was 30 minutes, basically, right, of, like, behind-the-scenes material uh, doing whatever, Starship Troopers and uh, Independence Day, showing how the White House blows up and model making. And it was just mesmerizing seeing these things being built. Um, and like that was always uh, just engaging to me. I thought, man, I want to do that someday. I never thought I'd actually get to do that. You know, I went pretty traditional uh, in my schooling. I, I was uh, just went to college, got a degree, um, wasn't in creative field for a long time. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, apart from that music, you know, like I said, it was, it was all my sister that my first hard music was actually, uh, it was blindside. That was like the first like hard thing I was doing. I thought, man, this is like, this is too hard for Christian music <laughs> is what I uh, thought yeah. when I heard silence. I was like, Oh, they're screaming. This can't be Christian music. Uh, why? Well, I mean, while she's got, you know, like Zayo and, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, other stuff like that, sitting in her CD collection, just waiting for me to listen to. Um, and uh, it was uh, it was a fun introduction from them and so many others. And then um, you guys wound up being another one of those like kind of bridging hardcore-ish, right, screamo bands that got me into more hardcore music. So you guys came in. Um, like Matt said, uh, I found you guys from Walls, obviously, but that was all I could find. You hadn't even put anything out yet. You were getting ready to do your tour. Um, and you came to Florida and you played, you know, you, there, I guess people know this, right? It was like Amberlynn, uh, and me without you, they still hadn't even put out 
catch those foxes. Yeah. Uh, further, it was supposed to be there. Watashiwa was there. It was at the social. It was tiny. It was full. I was in high school at the time. And it was just killer. I mean, Walls was so different. It was what I was looking for. This, like, wonderful balance of, like, melodic and, like, beautiful singing and moody and emotional and still, like, it got hard. And it wasn't, like, Descartes was, like, screaming. It got, like, the breakdown got hard, it felt for me, you know? It was accessible and pushing and fun. Uh, And that, like, that was that social? That was the social, yeah. Yeah. That's the show we almost didn't play then. Yeah. I'm glad I mean, you were there. That yeah, that made, was crazy. That, I, mean, I mean, that like impacted me like so deeply. And then I went and saw you guys I think every year after that for many, many years when you would come to Orlando. Well, uh, we I almost didn't change your life because we were 30 minutes late and Amberlynn's tour manager wanted to put his band, local band he managed on instead of us. So oh we, we had to call Tooth and Nail and they had to call and tell them to let us play. Yeah. And so we did let us to play. Worry. That night after all. But we didn't oh even know, gosh. we didn't understand load-in time. That was our second That was our second show on ever being on a real tour. We had played right. the, the yeah. night before. It was our first show in a real club on a real wow. tour. Um, and so it was the, you know, we they said, all right, show tomorrow. But we didn't even know about load-in time. We, we had no clue what load-in time would be like in the early afternoon. We didn't. Know, we didn't know that. I know. Isn't that so funny? Because we were just good. We weren't kids, I guess. We're older than all the other people, mostly. But we were just, you know, just guy. I mean, we were serious, but we were just goofballs, you know, trying to make something happen and get to the show, play a show, sell some merch, move on to the next show. Obviously, it was all very important. But just the fact that somebody like Life was there, that just happened to be there, and luckily we got to play. Yeah. And then, not I'm not saying we changed his life, but something that we did impacted him, you know, to want to see us again and again. But we were just like, <laughs> we just got to get there so we can play the show. I mean, just the funny thing about how that just... This meeting is being recorded. Here we are, I mean, golly, almost 20 years later. Yeah, I know. Talking yeah. about that. That's pretty wild. I remember, I remember Under Oath came to that show that night, and they were they were telling us about their new album. You know, it was Chase the oh, Safety. Yeah. And they were just oh, saying, yeah. oh, so, we're in the studio now. We just got done or whatever. It's so crazy. We, you can't can't wait to hear it or whatever. That was That's so funny. What a connection. Because yeah. now I'm like so, sort of sideways related to Tim. Yeah, what is it? Brother-in-law? Yeah, uh, yeah his brother is my brother-in-law. His brother's your brother-in-law. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, no, that is funny how that all kind of works around. I know. Um, and when you're saying doing that behind-the-scenes show yeah. that you got into on Discovery, I think that's just ultra-related because it's the film equivalent of – it's the film equivalent, the visual equivalent of trying to get B-sides of music or get behind-the-scenes music or see how do they make that or what do they do, yes. how do they get that sound. Like what you yeah. read the articles in Guitar World to say, well, what, what – how do they make that sound all distorted like that? What do you do to make that sound? And that's yeah. what I've always wanted to know is how do you, but how do you do that? Not, I like to watch that. How do you, I do that, you know? And I think that's a different kind of person. Um, and maybe it varies for whatever kind of thing you're in. Like some people are into cooking or whatever. Some people don't care, but you know, for me, if there's something that fascinates me that I enjoy, my only question is, well, how do I do it? Yes, exactly. And, you know, it, I, I'm not just going to sit here and listen to it and not wonder how do you make that fucking sound or make that <laughs> camera shot do that. 
and then I got to find out. And then that's the whole, you know, journey. And I don't know if that's a certain kind of person or, or what, but I mean, that's clearly what all the people that go for the depth, like you guys do and we do have is something about that. Yeah, I don't, that's exactly you, you think, the same way I felt first time I saw a porn movie. Yes, I exactly what I, you described. <laughs> how do you make first time I saw? I was like, "How do I do that? How, I don't want to watch it. I want to do it." <laughs> first thing I thought in my mind when I saw that film. <laughs> do you think? Do you think? Do you think that's a kind of person, or do you think there's people? Everybody's that way with something, or some people are not that way with anything. I can't imagine not being that way so i only have like my vision on it but my wife tells me that like uh, that it's kind of weird <laughs> in a way that i'm like weird because i just obsess over those kinds of things but i just do that with a lot so i i don't know how to answer that i mean i can't imagine people not being that way but there's some stuff you just like it, like if i go to a regular restaurant or something i don't really think about it. i just go that's pretty good I'm not necessarily trying. I mean, that's not probably really true with me. But there's th there's areas that I just go, yeah, I don't care about this, so whatever's fine. I enjoyed yeah. that. That was nice. Yeah. You know, that's a nice beach resort I went to. I'm not really thinking about how to engineer one. Yeah, true. You know, but right. but some people may don't have any deep special interest like that about anything. Maybe it probably depends on your areas of interest. You know what I mean? Like if you're a businessman and you go to a place that's a really well-run business, you'd probably be like, man. Oh, I'd I like, understand. You know, for most people, it's money or pussy. That's all. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's their, that's and, their then you, just, got, yeah. and then for, for you, me, it's just... And then for you, it's just music stuff. notes. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's it. I well, you know, there's a lot of people that it's not even their, like, career. Like, you know, I know a lot of people right. that the, the work, what work they do is irrelevant to what their passions are. For them, it's like fishing. You know, I'm in Florida. So, yeah. like, it, it's fishing or... You know, it's like the, uh, the the Jeep that they have to go mudding in or whatever. So, yeah. like, they invest all of their time and attention into, like, that. How do I do that? How do I make that? Put everything into that thing. But the so guy that's all in into his four-wheel drive, you know, is like you. You know that he is. Like, he yeah, cares about the way it, it works and stuff. But some yeah. people don't care about stuff like that at all. Yeah. I imagine there's probably some. It's weird to think about. How did y'all go, did y'all, Zach, you in life, did y'all ever want to be on in the band? Or, you know what I mean? Like, instead of on the film side, making film and doing that, did y'all ever, were y'all in bands or any on that side of it? Well, no, it I was. Yeah, 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 you go live. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, yeah, I, I played in music before, uh, and I did, I tried to do that, I did worship bands and indie rock bands and all kinds of stuff uh but just realized really quickly that like i like you guys it was like you can't be where you're at and do it and do you really want to leave to do it right right that that ends up being the big question is if your art isn't succeeding do you are you passionate enough about it to go somewhere else or hmm. Would you stay and potentially, you know, some in some ways maybe you you live in the Tampa area or you know in, in Florida, so there was a lot of cities you could still do stuff. But yeah. um, where we were, we was just like, oh, if we stay here, this will die. I think that I don't think we could have put that into words like that or had that thought when we started the band. But for us, it was like this is the only art we can probably do. So you know, mm -hmm. we didn't. 
that's what I'm saying. Like it's so neat that y'all were able to transfer all your your skills right into the visual world. And Zach, Zach you didn't even answer yet. Did you do any music stuff? Yeah, well, it's funny too because I I keep running into it. Blows me away how many people that do what I do or in this field are musicians or our drummers drummers specifically like and it's funny because that's like the best metaphor you could you could use for a video editor is a is it's like playing drums because there's a rhythm to it um but it's so funny how how many drummers i've I've come across that um do this and so um yeah i i I mean well part of it's um even when you guys were were signing well i don't know maybe this I could be off on, on eras and, and whatnot, but I mean, just the accessibility, right? So yeah, in middle school or high school or whatever, had a band where we basically just played Weezer cover songs, but we could do that. Like we could have, you know, enough of us could, could learn that instrument, which is pretty cool. And I think that's where we're in right now too, with like, we were talking about TikTok music. There's just an accessibility of being able to make and create things. It's just opening it up a ton, so that's why I feel like I, I probably wouldn't be in, wouldn't have been in that world at all, um, if if I w- lived in a different time. I don't think that was my my passion, but it, it got me into this world, I guess. Like, I did like want to be a part of it, but I was more interested in being behind it. Right. So, right? Yeah. But you there's know. a there's two components of there that I hear that one that's multimedia, like everybody does multiple things. Uh, you of course you play like when I learned guitar. Also learned drums and some keyboards uh, at, uh, together. I was trying to make all three of those sounds work together. They were all interesting to me and in how they interacted. And I play guitar the most, but it wasn't like you know when it used to be. Somebody goes, he plays the flute and he plays the saxophone. Wow! But it's like every guitar player plays bass or piano and drums a little bit or whatever. Like you know, right, right, right. you just around it and you do that, and then. It's even more multimedia, and obviously we see that now. Where it's like you're a full stack creator. Like that's where we're. It's, you have to, of course, do your own music, video, lighting, uh, edit. Like, not not that you have to, but the the interdisciplinary is gonna really is continuing to really pay off. Basically, versus hyper specialized instrumentalists at the highest level. Like that's yeah less necessary. What's well, cool so, to me though is that y'all were able like at our time. None of us, me, Devin, and Matt, would have never thought, uh, oh, what, what about filming, really, what we were doing? Like, that didn't even seem like that was possible. That seemed so, like, we thought, well, you just got to be a cool band and play shows. You know what I mean? We didn't think about that side. So, I wonder if that would have been available to us. Like, if the, the, the ease of turning on your laptop or your phone camera is really good, you know, we might have would have moved into more. We'd have gone right to it, probably. I, I think we'd have gone to film as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think, I think so, we too. stayed in music and, yeah. and did the band because that's all we really had access to. Like, now, I feel like if we, you know, oh, of course, the first thing would pop in my head is the filming of it as opposed to the creation of the song. The song can only, it will be a part of this, you know, whole we thing. We would have been, YouTube and in college long before we were good enough at music for anybody to pay attention. You're right. Like, we would have mm-hmm. had success faster doing goofy shit online. Yeah. I'm not saying that would have been good. We'd have been like, dude bros filling up. P- p- pools with trampolines and right. balls and <laughs> you know who, stunts. I mean, what it have been whatever we could have got attention from. Right. But we would have gotten attention 
faster than getting really good at music. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, just, yeah, right. It just it does have to do with just what was available at the time. But it seems like you just get to where it's more, more and more the overlap of everybody's a musician and a video you know, they have this. They, it all works together, obviously, kind of thing. And you guys are, are you know, it comes out of a <laughs> but, small community of that. But even you, well, you two, like life, you, I mean, you had to make a pretty decent investment on a, that first camera, right? Or, oh, I mean, man. Like, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a, yeah. Gosh, it's weird to think about because I, I almost missed the opportunity to do this. Because when I started to get into it, I mean, I was already married. My wife, uh, was doing some training in it uh, at school in Gainesville. And so I'd write jingles for her commercials and stuff she's done. Uh, actually, funny story, side story. We went to the 1982 bar in Gainesville. Uh, she was doing a project for school in Gainesville. So we went and saw the chariot uh, there at the 1982 bar. And she was like, well, I'll make a fake commercial for you know this bar. Film this. I made a jingle to it. And we went outside and we just found Josh and interviewed him just on the street. We was like, hey, <laughs> we're making this thing for, you know, the school project. Can we interview? And I, I was a pretty big fan of the Chariot, so it was really fun to do that. But um, just random That's aside. Funny. So <laughs> I got my, my uh, you know, start kind of going there, at least as an interest in thinking it's possible. And then when it actually came about, like I, I was training to be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, English teacher, you know, whatever, I guess. I was teaching science. I taught some math, kind of bounced around, and then realized very quickly, like, this isn't what I want to do, <laughs> which like, sucked. It was like, I went to school, I did all this stuff. This is what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. I'm six months in. What do I do now? Uh, which was really a hard thing to swallow. And uh, and so, like, Audrey and I kind of started doing this stuff, and this was just at the break of the DSLR revolution, which I know Zach knows what I'm talking about, the 5D Mark II, and like the possibility that anybody could film good films. Like I slotted Canon XL2 and was using Final Cut Pro 7 on like a 2006 MacBook trying to make this stuff. And it was like hardly working. And I was like, you know, 20, I don't know, four at the time. And here's the thing about that is like, there was no like, what Zach and I do now didn't exist. Just the guys that are the, you know, video producers, independent freelancers that go around and make this stuff. That that wasn't really much of a thing unless you like followed bands around. So right. I like I legitimately almost missed it because everybody around me was like, Well, what are you really gonna do? It's probably what, you know, you guys experienced in South Carolina. Oh yeah, that's cute, but what do you really want to do? Because right. you're not gonna make a living yeah. doing that. And yeah. I experienced that for years it I mean it took a long time before it was finally like oh yeah you're like making a living doing this yeah yeah i kind of remember that when that kind of took off um I, I maybe had a couple friends that were starting to get into that whole movement of diy filmmaking or or music videos or whatever and i probably thought the same thing <laughs> I yeah. probably thought like us oh, probably not going anywhere, but it's cool. They're trying, yeah. you know, but, but now it is just, is what it is. I mean, I remember right? that distinct moment where somebody had a camera that looked like my aunt's camera, except yeah. for <laughs> what came out of it looked like a movie. Right. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was like, wait a minute, but that's a, that's not a big thing on a crane and a dolly. <laughs> it's a tourist that's, camera. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's something a tourist carries around their neck and it's, 
looks like a movie or whatever that you know and i know that yeah. i know what that is but you know i remember that being pretty revolutionary thing to notice from the outside and it was not that long ago and then from there to us having 12 cameras to do the question and all we got to do is play it yeah and then then all this comes out of it is a quite uh you know that's that's a quite only 90 years since then yeah 2012 was when the 5d mark ii came out like that's crazy how fast that works that's wild yeah so a lot of it is just the right being at the right time that's that's really that's so wild because you guys wouldn't have previously wanted to be let's say cameramen in the union on a sitcom like that's not <laughs> right, that, right. Like, well, who I, wants to do that you know yeah because for me i had a i had a like a vhs camcorder with like an extension cord that i'd run around and make movies and that was like the time that was the time of my life i thought that was the funnest thing ever and i did the high school production like i was telling you about but i was like this isn't a job though like right that's not that's not something people can do i mean unless you go to hollywood or whatever that was right. my, my mentality yeah, right? exactly. oh you go to hollywood you can do that you go to film school sure i'm not gonna do that um and so i just abandoned it like entirely and then fortunately for me i I went into design and then went so heavy into that, that then by the time what you're saying life, like with the, I ended up having a 70, but the same thing, one of the, like a, a picture camera, wait, a picture yeah. camera can take, can take video. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah. And so doing that and it was so fun getting into it. And so it's just been a journey since then. But even then, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's painful. I'm still waiting to like, my wife keeps saying like, okay, when are we going to make money at this? Cause it's always like, there's more and more you All can, right buy right. and, oh yeah and, speaking and of the chase. expenses we have to get into yeah yeah right? totally it's like but, every month is a new piece of gear yeah but relatively like you said we brought out 12 cameras on this special i mean those those cameras put out an amazing picture but they are not relatively they're not expensive cameras you know yeah. like I, I came from belief where you know they had exclusively shot on reds the whole time they've been around to now they're open to the idea of shooting on what we what we shot those on now we're talking like twenty thirty thousand dollar cameras down to like two thousand yeah. Wow. yeah so it's you amazing. still spend you know way too much on cameras and stuff like more oh, than you yeah. can make but that's a more of a choice yeah. in some sense right but it, it's like how can it's in some ways is how can you not though like it, it's like it's not it's not being silly that yeah. what you can do with this stuff's so powerful that, of course, when you're younger and can't afford to leverage into having higher creative output early in your career, uh, that is the right call. I'm sure yeah. it is. You know, and we're getting to a crazy time with like motion control and like even on these specials we had, you know, we had a, a set of rails like a ten foot run. Uh, this is on the other one too, but with the motorized robot. Right, yeah. that's filming these specials. It's just one of the cameras is going back and forth, and now Life and I enjoy sending each other all the new robots that are coming out. But like, even <laughs> that is becoming accessible. Like that that device, however many years ago, I mean, you you can't even you know how could you even make that happen? And, and you and guys you probably have seen crew. those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is fun for me because I love like I'm still so scrappy that I love you know what can we how can i throw everything at something and what seems outlandishly like not feasible at all with however many people 
we can, you know, pull off just through sheer, I don't know, grunt. I don't even know. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And that's why, and like, yeah, I think this crew works together so well. And like the, this, this like equipment, like, I think this is a really important point too, right? Like it started with that, the first DSLRs, none of this would have been accessible to us before. Yeah. Like you and I wouldn't have had access to purchase like, equipment. Wasn't something individuals purchased. Right. It was something rental houses bought and then like major studios rented out. That was the way it was designed. That was the way it was developed. That's why things cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, 20 years ago. Not, you know, that's like not even a lifetime. It was because it was designed to stay inside of the studios. And now like everything is developed around all of this technology to where like it, I mean, the prices are just so accessible that people it's the TikTok thing. It's all of it, right? Like everything's so accessible that you can do anything anywhere. And, you know, I kind of still stand by the idea that just like the fact that it's accessible means communities can now, you know, keep their creatives and can engage with each other more. I mean, I'm in, I'm actually in Brooksville, Florida and in like, we're North of Tampa and we're a very small Southern community and the number of people that I know that listen to the music I listen to, watch the things I watch, uh, you know, like they're pumped that I'm talking with you guys right now because they listen to the podcast and they've listened to the music forever. And I didn't have to go anywhere to do any of this to make the stuff that I'm doing. I didn't have to yeah, be cool. in Tampa, Orlando, Hollywood, New yeah. York, you know, even though I'm sitting in New York right now, like whatever, right? Like it, it was, it's so cool to me that that, has let us do what we're doing. Yeah. Like this new revolution of things, these video concert things, which is brand new. Are you sure it'll stay this way? Oh, you know, because there's so uh, much money in it. Like the amount of money we're throwing at it times, however many Instagram influencers there are, you know, it's, I always laugh at like the people that are buying all the same stuff that I'm buying. Like there's just so many, so many of us. So it's just a it's a crazy industry now. But there's a question. Exciting. There's a question about what the what the, like the studios like when we talk about how to shoot stuff in the future from here. I'm just couldn't be happier because I know we're on the edge of like not the cutting edge of technology, but just some intersection of new forms of entertainment that are emerging. At least we're playing that sandbox. So I couldn't be more thrilled. But I can imagine stuff now that we can't access, like the way they shoot the Mandalorian. When we talk about how they do these 360 things and where VR's going, it's like, well, we can't do all that. I, I already see all of the stuff we can't afford <laughs> that, right. that, that Facebook and other people can. And so it's not clear that we'll always have access to the well, but, edge of what's possible. But those things are getting accessible. I follow a guy on Instagram who was actually a part of the team that first pitched the idea of the technology that became the Mandalorian technology. Well, they did this like, thing out of Hollywood. What's that? And like that studio you, you guys shoot at and they did the Amberlynn live shows. I mean, that's a version of that too, right? It's essentially. essentially. And, and then the mocap, right? So like the motion capture stuff. 
that's getting cheaper and cheaper, more accessible. Or like just, you know, YouTubers are now picking up these motion capture suits and doing this thing. I really, I mean, really want to wear a, <laughs> a suit with oh the balls God. on it. Well, yeah. I want to see that. Be- <laughs> yes, yes. We're going to do that. Do we're going to say we're doing motion capture, but we're not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to wear a black suit with ping pong balls on it and play the guitar. Okay. Yes. Can, we, can, we, can we take the prank that far that with we actually, that, that, that event, that digital event, Matt is wearing that outfit and we just don't tell Can we go all the way like through that. with it? Like, That's actually like, a pretty what? good idea for like a video, just everybody yes. wearing those those balls on their suit. I want a oh, wire. God. I want to strum up, an up strum really hard and fly backwards. Could you imagine <laughs> doing that? You put out the video where you guys are all wearing these things. And then you tell your fans, like, put whatever you want on us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. That's funny, yeah. I mean, yeah. all that stuff's going to ha- – I think that people with money uh, will start realizing, oh, wait, these creators on TikTok, they'll be an app or two away from something that'll be totally maybe even take over and surpass movies and TV, I think. Because it'll be way cheaper to make. Somebody did it with their phone. And the phones and cameras are going to get better and better. Audio is getting better and better. And so that will be the main form of entertainment in the future, I think. Some kind of uh, anyone can create it and it'll just be uh, uh, who's hot this minute. You'll watch a TV show that somebody in Kansas made and then you'll never hear from them again. But That's going to be that. crazy. You're right. Could you imagine if Netflix made like private accounts and it was like you upload your movie? Right. They, they probably will, though. I mean, Netflix is going into gaming. Yeah. So, uh, you know, gaming is like many, many times bigger than motion picture and TV. So, you know, yeah. we're all going the same place. We're heading straight for gaming. And so, is, you know, gaming's heading toward it's all con- going to converge between TV, movie, uh, theatrical, gaming, education. I mean, they're all going the same place. I mean, they it's are. all yeah. the same thing. So what can you learn and experience and mix together? Get ready. I mean, it's just who's going to figure out what. I mean, so, that's what I thought of the Bo Burnham special. Have y'all seen that? Oh, it was so good. Yes. It, it, it was It was like a just a, a almost like a modern-day opera in a sense, but based on his actual yeah. experience. So it was like this – it was an album of music – that he did some video to, but it told the story of him personally. So it's like a one-man show, you know, but now with mu- with the whole album behind it. And I was like, oh, well, he just made – and everybody watched it, and it's a huge hit. But nobody watches MTV anymore for music videos. But everybody yeah. I know yeah. watched that Bo Burnham thing because so it, and it was just – a lot of it was just the music videos, him playing the piano, singing. Uh, but, I mean – it's telling you a story and you feel some reality behind it. You yeah. know what he went through. Oh, that's what he went through in 2020. So did I. And, uh, you know, so I mean, it's interesting that that's happening. That's a huge hit on Netflix. That special blew my mind because like I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, Oh, okay. He's got some help. He's doing this stuff. And then you show he wrote it. He shot it. He edited it. He did everything. Yeah. The whole yeah, thing. You know, here's this comedian, like working comedian, putting out his own content and it's, this is all he did and it's, it's good it's really good from like the writing to the music to the editing to the shots like the whole like that's a rare it is a rare talent but it's so good and like it happened and he did it and he put it out there yeah. alongside yeah. Chappelle and alongside uh, you know Rogan and alongside these guys that are serious comedians he did it and it's successful yeah and his songs immediately went into the ether like on TikTok 
people are using his music, all those songs immediately like they do with other albums. And his songs, not the video part of it, now the songs are living in other people's videos and they're using it to tell their jokes and stuff like that. you got to get that ether. That's where you want to be in that ether. It has to be. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want that. That's what I'm saying. You don't want the copyright or the stream percent. You want that ether. Ether. You got to get that ether. That's where you want to be. You get whatever. Who owns it, sells it, whatever. You got to be in that ether. <laughs> I think it's still crazy to me, though. Like, like y'all two, like, we, y'all are our friends as well. And yeah. we could have never have pulled off to, to tooth and nail, hey, these guys we know, they're really good. We want a budget to make a music <laughs> video. One music video. You know what I mean? But now, yeah. because of everything we're saying, like, we can. I, we trust you more than anybody we've ever worked with, as far as filming uh, our our songs. You know, immediately right. we trust y'all more. But now it's actually possible and respected, or thought of as not silly. It's just you know, oh, their buddies gonna film, you know, or something like that. Oh, you know, you know, this guy he works with our our drummer. He seems really legit. Let's you know, to, <laughs> tooth and nail would have never let us do that. Because Devin said no, that at the top exist. of the episode that that it wouldn't uh, earlier in our career, our buddies would maybe would not have been qualified. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't. Have, oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. like if, that know. too. But I'm just saying. But even we wouldn't have been able to, to do that. But now you can. So I'm wondering what that will look like as far as when new stuff is created, it'll be smaller level. I think there's going to be, it's going to get more and more micro in the production and everybody gives you, you know, cause I mean like uh, Rick and Morty cartoon or something, that's not as in depth drawing as, as much as like some of the other cartoons about Simpsons when it came along, you know, it, it felt a little blocky and other, but now everybody gives it a pass because the content's so good. It'll be interesting. The production stuff might go down, but camera work might go up. You know, like uh, different ways of shooting things, I mean, and, and filming things well, and it, how you can it, do it. It opens up the ability to capture t- that. Well, because I think the the key, I haven't watched that Bo Burnham now. I'm going to have to watch that. But I imagine, is the production yeah. level super high or is it medium level? Where Where is it at? It's actually quite good. He's shot on a GH5. So, okay, but even there, right? That's that's like... That's like fifteen hundred, right? Two thousand dollar camera, so right? Yeah. Oh, so, so yeah, it's like he didn't spend more than three grand on all of his like equipment, but he right. utilized it so brilliantly, right? That so that's matter. what it comes down to is that like the intimacy and the vulnerability, which you can't get on like a, it's harder to manufacture on a bigger set. But so this is coming to what I think is so neat about what we do with what you all did with rub some dirt on it, right? I mean, like. I want that version for any album that I'm going to listen to now, mm-hmm. right? I want yeah. the 12 cameras in the room capturing it all, you know, and, and that, what that allows, I, what I'm hoping for, we'll, we'll, you know, we're going to be working towards that allows for you to feel like you were a fly on the wall. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the, right. like making of the music, yeah. right? That's the ultimate making of the music. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a new type of experience to do a new album in a new format. <laughs> so I, I'm, yeah. I'm excited about it. I've still got a long way to go before it's done. And, put, put, you know, I don't know what the final product is still, but that concept is quite, quite exciting. Um, and it yeah. has, it definitely has to do with the, that. What I was saying at the earlier is that I just always wanted to know. How do you make that? I like music. How do you do that? And so right. I'd always wanted to just watch it get done. So, like, right. let's see if you can watch. And what if there was, it wasn't ever possible for that to occur for Alice in Chains 
whatever. But finally, there's a, a, a you know, by the time they're doing these, in fact, there was some pretty good performances in the 90s um, where it was like just stuff on TV would be live performances back then. But that went away. Like, it, and since the 90s, nobody's been really willing to perform very much on camera with the audio. It's like audio goes to the special world where it's overproduced right. and video is something different. That just seems like you can obviously join those two <laughs> if you just right. if you just can accept it. Like if you can get a good enough if you plan for if you organize for that, it's obviously possible to do video and audio together in a, in a way that's transparent and and you can get more vulnerability for it. It's scarier, but it's worth trying to do, I think. So I'm, I'm really. It's interesting for me going back uh, to the first two. Um, I'm only a man in the week's end, and I felt what was cool for me was the energy that was in that room when we recorded those. Maybe it's because I was there, but I felt it when I watched it too. Like it yeah. felt like it felt right. like oh whoa this the energy's really tra- transferring here. Like from the screen, it felt a little bit more real or something about it than, you know, because I've watched some amazing, uh, to me, uh, bands play on TV, on my TV screen before. But I, I was feeling something here. And then to now to move to this, the same way with the question, it feels like, oh, my gosh, this record, we're doing it justice and we're playing it so well. And then, you know, all these great things about it and the energy for that. Then to move into our brand new record, you will watch it. You'll watch the brand new record be played. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's not popping a CD, popping a tape, whatever. You know, play the record. Those all are amazing ways too. But this time, to hear Emory's new record, you're gonna watch it. That's just that's cool. Yeah. That's just that's feels wild. Cool. Yeah, if I send a record for somebody to check out, I will tell them watch this. Right. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. And everybody else, when they send me a record, they say listen to this. Right. You know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I can't wait to see the question, first of all, just because I think the question and the way you guys are going to produce that, uh, you know, video-wise and audio is just, I think the way it felt to me in the room is there was like this intense energy, almost a little bit of nervous energy, but intense is the way it felt when we played it. Yeah. Yeah. And then rub some dirt on it was so loose and so fun. Even though we were nervous because they're new songs, we're trying to remember all the lyrics, all the parts, all this stuff. I mean, it was we were nervous, but it felt more loose because we knew right. it was a different vibe and a different way of filming it. And then, so I'm super excited about that. And then when we shoot uh, Shallow Seas 3D Underwater Experience, <laughs> that's when I'm going to be oh, very yeah. excited. VR 3 Underwater. Wow. <laughs> the Underwater Experience. <laughs> okay, I'm officially sounding the alarm. Um, for everybody out there, I want to send a beacon up. I want people to send me stuff and think about it. But, um, I mean, I think that the 3D Spatial Audio Dolby Atmos um, I think that's going to be a. I mean, I think it's time. I think it's time for that. I think that's going to be a, a. It'll be the first audio format that's a change. Dolby, in like you're 50 telling me, years. Dolby. You're It'll be Dolby. Dolby. Of course, it's Dolby, but um, Dolby Atmos is the is the 3D sound that is that all the Netflix and everybody is only accepting uh, Dolby Atmos like at as the format wow. now. 
and the same for music and video. It's spatial audio, so you can pan. You know, you can put stuff wherever. And That's it what can my be dad called headphones. me when he burned his tongue on a hot pizza one time. <laughs> Dolby. Dolby, come over here. <laughs> he calls you Dolby. It's a hot, it's a hot pizza that burned his tongue. That's what he, about two days, he called me Dolby. Now, is that, so that's just a totally different way of mixing. We don't have to get into that tonight. Well, but. it's it's a new interest of mine. I'm officially open to it. The technology is accessible. It's available to me. I'll be able to be into it in the coming months. I'm not doing it wow. right now, but uh, right. I, by the next thing we do, you know, sometime in 2021, I'll be mixing, I'll be doing, experimenting with mixes in spatial audio, which allows you to do some really insane stuff. I mean, it really like what? It, I don't know. What's the big difference? Is it like going from tape to CD? Well, so you know, <laughs> you, you know, stereo audio is what we've had yeah. for, since we had mono. So then we get the two speakers, and then there was the five point one. There's the surround sound, but that never caught on because when are you ever in that environment? Right. So nobody's right. ever going to create for that because, I mean, you know, video kept going higher and higher in quality and all this stuff because everybody would get it, but. There's a few people who get these nice stereos and do this thing, and right. who are they going to listen to some jazz recording in 5.1? That's never going to catch on. It's not commercial. But fi- but but spatial audio now that they do with AirPods and beyond and the Dolby in-theater systems, 11 speakers, but you can do it in headphones is the point. There's new technology for binaural audio. It's not stereo. It's coded different, so it goes a little bit deeper at your perceptual system. And makes you hear in 3D with headphones. So you still only need the two speakers. So once that's possible, it gives the uh, uh, artist, and I, you can hook it up to Pro Tools. I mean, I can mix in it right now, which means artists can actually directly figure out what will, sa- what will be cool uses in there. And the masses will be able to appreciate it. So it, ha- it has what's necessary for it to be valid territory to learn how to do because at first it'll be goofy stuff like you do these weird panning things where it just circles your head or whatever but you know whatever the real norms of that are possible to mix in music there are no there's nobody doing it yet but it could be done with and you know it'll, it'll be people will get into it pretty quickly because it's the format of the main streaming houses there's only like 20 studios that have it like they're official certified like they have the whole setup i mean it's like it's pretty new but it's almost guaranteed to become a dominant sound format and you can put stuff higher low left and right you can put stuff behind you all in your airpods so that's one of, that's one of the things that's subtly blowing my mind with the vr headset it's have crazy. you noticed that too i mean yes. you you hear something behind i, I don't you it's, know i don't know yes. if it's a placement with those ones is it just the placement of the speakers no, even with it, the oculus it works like a charm i was in this yeah, place the yeah. other day and you hear somebody talking over here and it's the, in your left ear and you turn and look at it, and then it's and it's you're looking at it, and if you turn the other way, you only hear it in your right ear. Yeah. I mean, uh. you you know, there's a musical experience to make where you walk up to the guitar amp and put your ear in front of the speaker, and all the sound is like continue like to ha- you can have that experience. I mean, but I mean, mm. how like where do I really want to pan guitars and synthesizers? There's a lot more choices now, especially mm. if there's a video to match to give you a perspective. It's quite powerful. I mean, it's crazy, but no. I mean, it's all left to be developed. Uh, whoever's going to figure out is going to be great. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Wow. I mean, and it's not. I mean, it already. There's nothing. I mean, it's already. Go, it's just going to happen. So, I don't know what who's going to do it well, but we can try. I'll, I'll make sure I have to get. I'll get some behind the scenes because now I can't wait to to watch Matt mix the next 
maybe in the shallow seas, mix it with the VR headset on mixing. <laughs> oh my God. And I'll convince him that he needs yes. to wear the motion capture suit for that yeah. too. So he'll just be all over. <laughs> yeah. That'd be amazing content. Oh man. So good. It's strange. Uh, my buddy, white Carl, you know, what his twin brother's name is what? Binaural. Binaural. <laughs> like Carl Binaural. But it's awesome how it does it because it, it actually it codes your it codes the here. sound so that like if something hits your ear, it goes in one ear first and then the other ear on the delay, which lets because that's how you know like in your that's how your brain decodes the in sound. one ear and out the other. It goes if you if somebody's over here on this side of the room. It hit, reaches your left ear before your right ear. Okay. So there's God. a time delay in when it does that, and that's how you know where the person is because your brain reads the code and says, same signal, eight milliseconds apart, and point, and then that means over there. So the audio gets coded to do that type of thing as well as uh, it's quieter in one ear versus the other, which tells you something about its position, as well as the natural shape of your ear gives it a reference of if it's higher or lower in the room. So those are the like the three parameters that you can play with. If Devin had those headphones with on, the hi-hat. he'd take them, throw them, and <laughs> take off running. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, that's a devil, man. That ain't the devil, yeah. You heard one ear in one ear and then the other. You just sling those headphones as far as you could, and you run the other direction for an hour. <laughs> but it's just, you know, the medium that's going to be iPhone, iPhone strapped to your face oh, with God. with AirPods in. That's the, that's the, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That, I, I mean, to it. Yeah, I mean, that, that will be neat, though, thinking of people watching rub some dirt on it, maybe on their phone with the AirPods in. Yeah, but we won't well, be. I mean, I'm not and, mentioning and that one be, in spatial what, yet. But. but what I'm saying, it's kind of neat that even in that small venue of a phone, mm-hmm. you will feel immersed in it. Oh, it's a, immersive is the and quality in Emory's yeah. new record. You'll yeah. be in it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The next one. I mean, why? Why? You know, I, I don't see why that wouldn't be what we're working towards. Because you're already right. that's once rub some dirt on is going to be one step towards that. You're in the room, right? Right, but what yeah. if on the next one you're actually you're in the room? You could you, you could decide to stand yeah. next to Dave if you want, or you could that's walk crazy. over to see what Josh is doing on the, you know. That I think so that's cool. where. That's and where and then really somebody be. the next stage would be somebody will gamify it and you bring your guitar in. Yeah, and you you trade off right? Like I mean, you'll you know, it could be a in a sense a game. You you'll play Emory's yeah. new album with them, the same as you huh. know Guitar Hero in a sense, but it'll be even more realistic, and you will actually be playing your guitar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you that, could take out. I mean, you can just take Matt out, and you you're the guitar player at a show for Emory. That's how the motion capture suit comes in. That's no different than a remix. You know, you send the stems, yeah. and somebody else contributes. Right. Like you just like okay, you be right. the filling guitarist. We delete Chris Keene. What would you have done that night? Right. I mean, it'll be a whole game. Uh oh, Matt Carter slipped and broke his leg. You got to get up there. Can you play them? Do you know the songs? <laughs> can you do it. I think I can. That's Toby singing, and you're just playing the guitar with Emory, and you you even see the crowd and everything. I mean, you'll get to do all of that. The show will be you in the future. Well, Matt talking about the convergence of gaming coming into all of this, right? You know, gaming, video, all of it coming together. That's already, like, sort of happening because the biggest concert streams are actually video game concert streams right now. You know, they're they're happening in 
uh, you know, these major platforms Fortnite, Fortnite, exactly. Like millions of people tuning into these things, paying money to tune into these things. Yeah. And they're just there with digital, you know, whatever other people and digital DJs. And that's what they're doing. Like it's, they're immersed in it. They're standing next to them. They're playing with them. And you go with other people. That's what's going to be. That's what I'm saying. That's the thing that has to click before it'll work. Is you have to go with people to do things. Right. But you can do that online. Go with yes. people to do stuff where it matters yeah. that you're there. I mean, you yeah. can still do it digitally. I yeah. only want to play a concert in Mario Brothers. Oh in Mario 2. <laughs> in Mario 2. When they, wait, when, they, wait. when they beat the game, uh, Emory concert at the end. Devin, are you Mario or Luigi? <laughs> I'm Luigi, man. Yes. Oh boy. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, Luigi's the best. I like the princess in Mario too. Oh, float. she can hover. <laughs> yeah, the hover float. Yes. So good. Oh, that was the weirdest one to play. That was so yeah, fun. That trippy. one was wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was, was a trippy game because it was in the half of it happened in the subconscious. Right. Well, like <laughs> as a five-year-old playing that, I was just like, "What is happening?" Going from like, you know, the original Mario to that. Yeah. Mario so they, three was great. They oh, created Super Mario World, and they were like, "What? What does it not have?" I know what yeah. we're do for two. Let's add a subconscious. <laughs> yeah, you to travel to another realm that's actually present in our current realm, but the shadow side. Right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> this is what seven-year-olds want. <laughs> it was trippy. And you remember All Super right. Mario though was the sequel to just Mario Brothers. If you right, remember. yes, Mario Brothers was a game yes. that they had like at Pizza Hut before. Didn't they Nintendo just do like what, what? What? It wasn't like the uh, journey though, was it? No, what it was, was it? just it was more like Donkey Kong style. Yeah, right. it was like it Donkey was like Kong. You jump it, over the yeah. barrels and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and so Super Mario World was this new thing on built on top of the Mario Brothers concept, which was like a simple game. And I guess that's their number one brand. Well, it's carried over the whole. It's their Mickey Mouse, right? Yeah, it's the Mickey yeah. Mouse. Oh yeah. yeah, that's insane. I mean, they have so many different Mario var- variations of right. games now. It's crazy. And yeah. those games hold up. They're fun to play. Yeah, like think of how strong of a character Wario is that didn't even exist for. A l- <laughs> I know. <laughs> you get a Wario, then you get a Yoshi. Oh man! You know what I'm saying? You get real. And there's Water Luigi. Water <laughs> <laughs> <War> Luigi. <laughs> I like playing Water War Luigi on the uh, car game. What is it? Mario Kart. Mario Thank you.